step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Nasty Cast might sound like a silly name for a show, but this is a serious fantasy baseball podcast. Okay, maybe not that serious, but these guys aren't just here to party. Hello and welcome to the Nasty Cast, the March 31st edition of the show, final day of March. And I'm joined on this fantasy baseball podcast adventure by my co-host, Brian Vaughn. Brian, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for welcoming me. We are going to talk about the kind of pitcher we prefer to talk about today, the kind that starts the game and does not end the game, or do not. Depends on if we're talking plural. <laughs> well, there. Are, let's just put it this way. A hell of a lot more of these guys I like than the other guys that we talked about earlier in the week. But just like the episode earlier in the week, Ron Rigney is not here. Couldn't make it. He had something going, maybe a Dynasty League draft. I already forgot. But we lament his loss. However, Brian and I will be able to get through this episode and hopefully give you some excellent starting pitching options and information. And if you listen to both of our shows, our sister podcast, The Dynasty Baseball Podcast, we won't have an episode this week because we don't want to skip several players, and that's what we'd have to do. So we'll be back next week with that one. But for this one, we're talking starting pitchers like you mentioned. We have a couple of news blurbs to discuss here. We'll get into it and give you all the information you could require. But first, Brian Vaughn, what's your favorite color? And you don't see all of the colors, but what's your favorite of the ones you see? I'm a partial colorblind guy. I, You know, I like orange. I like a teal. I like kind of pleasing, but a little bit bright colors. But I wouldn't yeah, say I really have a a true favorite, which is weird. But I have palettes I prefer, if okay. that makes sense. Sure. Which probably yeah. has something to do with my vision and the quality of it. I could see that being the case. I personally, when I was a kid, I was a blue man because uh, everyone was like, no, you, you were in the blue man yet. group. I was. As and, a child, uh, what a prodigy. Amazing. I was up there and I was banging on pipes and I was looking like an <laughs> alien and not talking. That's how I did it. Now, I, I like blue when I was younger because I was taught to like blue. And I do like blue. Don't get me wrong. It's good. But as I've aged, I realized I genuinely do like the color red, like a deep crimson red. I like it. Mm-hmm. The blood of my enemies is crimson. And therefore, I knew, I knew that was why. <laughs> is it because of your angels affiliation? I They've think always partly. had a good, healthy amount of it in there. But that's scheme. just it. Because when I was considering which team I wanted to be my home team, having been from that part of born in that part of California, I, of course, could have gone with the Dodgers, who are a much more storied franchise, more successful. And I just didn't, I don't know, something about the Dodgers I didn't care for. And I really got psyched up during the 2003 World Series, in which it was Angels Giants. And so Angels like, v. Barry Bonds. Angels is my team. Yeah. Scott Spezio and so on and so forth. So, anyway. Yeah, we've both tasted the, uh, the glory of a Scott Spezio playoff run at me as a Cardinal fan. And he had his little of course. Pink, uh, patch of fur. It was great. Yeah, the most soulful patch. 
Well, there you go. Let's get into the show. You know where to find us on Twitter. You know where to find our other shows, the Dynasty Baseball Podcast, the Launch Angle Podcast, and the BoopTube Boys, all on the BoopTube Podcast Network. Let's do some news and notes first before we get into the starting pitchers. First off, Tommy Pham has signed a contract with the Reds. It's a one-year contract. And really, what's your interest, Brian? I mean, Pham struggled quite a bit last year. Ended up hitting 229, 340, 383. That's after he hit just 211, 312, 312 in that shortened 2020 season. But he did have 15 home runs and 14 steals last year, 561 plate appearances. And he talked about being hurt. And I know he was hurt for quite a bit of last season. So is there a rebound on the way? Do you like him now that he's on a team that should play him every day? I actually do like Fam this year because he should play every day. It's a favorable park. And I think there's still something left in the tank, though the question here is, are are Pham's bad couple of seasons or partial seasons because he's been banged up or because he's entering his mid-30s now? We got to remember he didn't start his career till late. So that's kind of the question. For me, uh, depending on what his price is, I would be interested, though, because power and speed, I mean, you have to be. You have to at least take a look. And he is currently going, well, I should say currently. This is in main event drafts for the NFBC over, what did I set the calendar at? March 24th. So a couple of days here, about a week. Anyway, he's going with pick 189. And that's, I think, a very, very excellent price. Let's look at his low because that has some days before he had a job there. 162. Would you take him around pick 162? I think that's that's pretty good. I would certainly take him around. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think I like the 189 a lot better, but I think that's fair. Eddie Rosario's there. We've got, let's see, Chris Taylor, Matt Chapman, uh, Nelson Cruz. I'd rather have Nelson Cruz, of course. But I think if you're looking for speed, okay, Andrew Benintendi's there. I think the chance that Benintendi and Tommy Pham go 2020 is almost the same because they're basically the same player. I mean, you've got more batting average there with Benintendi, but I think you've got more power potential with Pham either way. Yeah, I, I think if happening. like if you were if I were to tell you one of those two guys is going to go 2020 this year, well, your gut would probably say it's fam, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, he just has the more raw talent. Yeah. And I feel like he'd be a guy who could do it in fewer games if he if he did need some rest. That's true, because Benintendi is now a compiler. He's got to stretch it out with 700 those. plate appearances to get there for sure. Yeah. All right, next up, sticking with the Reds, we have one other news item. Hunter Green, the former top prospect, or I guess still top prospect, is now going to be in the starting rotation for the team on the outset of the year. So I guess you could say the new rules that uh, they agreed to in the collective bargaining agreement at least helped him get onto the team out of the gate because if he remains on the roster the whole season, gets in the top two in rookie of the year voting, the team itself will get a little bit of a perk there. But Hunter Green, big-time fastball, Hasn't really had the innings over the last couple of years thanks to some Tommy John surgery. Last year, he had 106 and a third innings across double-A and triple-A, and he was pretty darn good. Strikeouts were through the roof. Walks were okay, right around three walks an inning. And then the ERA, eh, not great, but I'd say in the mid to high threes if you average the two out. Overall, what do you think about Hunter Green making the rotation here? And let me look up the ADP, too, to kind of see where he's at. I'll, yeah. I'll actually look up the last few days, but you tell me what you think of him. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch him pitch for one thing. He shot up prospect lists last year, like really quickly, which I think we all thought he would if he was healthy and he wasn't doomed to for sure be a reliever. 
and he stayed healthy. He didn't get hurt. His fastball velocity was back up. And also, he's starting to add secondary pitches. He's starting to better his control. And with the stuff he has, that's going to play up a ton. I don't know that he's... I mean, he's going to have some sort of an innings limit this year. And the major leagues are a whole different animal. There's a universal DH. There's a lot of different components to this. So I am... I'd be willing to take something of a a flyer on him, but I don't know how soon I'd be willing to pick green with just one year back. But the overall outlook, I think, is very bright. He is going 330 over the last couple of days, over just yesterday in today's drafts, 309. So pass pick 300, absolutely. Yeah, I I just flung my pin. (laughs) I will uh, take that 100% because you're going to get the strikeouts no matter what. Yes. Through 100 plus innings last year, so arguably you could say 140 could be on the cards here. If he does that, if he throws 140 innings with a 11K per nine reasonable walk rate and a three and a half to four and a half ERA, totally worth it at that pick. So I think he's I the kind of guy, it. if he sticks in the majors all year, you're going to be happy with what happened. Absolutely. It's going to mean that, that he held his own with his control and stayed healthy. And certainly a reasonably cheap price there. So there you go. Those are a couple of news items that cropped up over the last couple of days. We have about a week left of the spring training season, and then we'll get into the regular season. Next week, when we do our episode, we're going to give our season preview. So we'll give our division winners choices for MVP and so on and so forth and make horrible guesses that turn out to be terribly, <laughs> terribly wrong. But it'll be Orioles, fun. Orioles, Pirates, World Series. That's right. You were definitely going to put that down for sure. So you have that to look forward to. Let's do the starting pitcher rankings. And we have basically a list here of a combination of fan tracks and NFBC draft uh, aggregate here. So essentially, it's not from one side or the other. There's going to be a little bit of mix. NFBC tends to push starting pitching up a little bit. Fan tracks maybe pushes it down a little bit, but it gives a good you know middle ground for this area. And it's a good indication of where a player is going. So we'll just go through the list. Maybe we'll skip a couple guys or lump guys together, but certainly at the top, we'll talk most of these guys all together. And then at the end, we will give you our favorite buy in the first 100 picks, next 100 picks, et cetera, et cetera. So right out of the gate, the number one starting pitcher going in both NFBC and Fantrax leagues is Garrett Cole. He is currently the number six pick overall. Now, Cole, of course, with the Yankees. This is his second year with the Yankees, I believe. Yes. Last year, 181 and a third innings, 12.06 K per nine, 2.03 walks per nine, 3.23 ERA. So, Brian, the ERA was a little bit higher than we've been accustomed to seeing the last couple of years. The innings total was a little bit lower than we've been accustomed to seeing. But overall, it just looked like a very Garrett Cole season. Do you like him as the number one starting pitcher this year? Would you take him with a top six pick? I definitely think he's got to be the first starting pitcher off the board just because there's no one that does what he does in terms of combining that kind of front-end performance with that kind of reliability at this point in his career. Uh, Like you said, Van, maybe last year seemed boring, but he was incredible. And I think he's definitely assuaged our fears regarding like, oh, if he's using some sort of substance, can he get the spin rate up? I mean, he finished very strong. So I don't think there's any reason to worry about him. I think if you are wanting to, if you're going to take an ace in the top six, he's, he's a great one to take. I think he offers very little injury risk relative to the position at least. I don't have a lot to add to that. I think the big argument traditionally is going to be then take him or Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns is the third starting pitcher. Let's just talk him here and then we'll go back to number two. 
But Burns last year, 167 innings, 12.61 K per nine, 1.83 walks per nine, 2.43 ERA. So the strikeouts were a little better than Cole. Walks were a little better than Cole. ERA was a little better than Cole, but he threw 15 to 20 less innings and certainly doesn't have the track record that Cole has. So what what do you think? So I guess you basically just gave your hand away. You said Cole yeah. should be the first pitcher. Do you agree with people who put Corbin Burns ahead of him? Why wouldn't you put Corbin Burns first? I would have Cole over Burns just because of kind of the probability that I see in their outcomes. I think, look, Burns is incredible, and I'm not going to be surprised if he out-earns Cole this year. But I think that there's a bigger chance that something goes even somewhat wrong with Burns, who just doesn't have the reps. He hasn't done this as long, and he's coming to it, you know, with just one full season really under his belt. Yep, I second that notion. That's exactly it. He just simply hasn't done it. And I don't know that, like, okay, I would put the odds of Garrett Cole reaching 200 innings this year at, I don't know, 70%, something like that. In that same scale, I would put the odds of Corbin Burns reaching that at like 30%. I just don't think he'll do it. It's yeah. possible. And I just even, don't lowering, it. even lowering it to like 180, I feel like I can... 90% certainty be like, all right, Garrett Cole's throwing 180 innings. And yes. with Burns, I think I'd think about, you know, 60% of me that, thinks that that will happen. That's not to say he won't do it, but no. it's, it's just a probability, a safety factor. So, but yes, if, so, if the performance is relatively close, those 30 innings are worth a lot. Oh, absolutely. If, if and, they exist. You know. And they're both awesome. So I don't know if you take yeah, Burns, they, it's they not really that big are. of a deal. But yeah, overall, I'm a cool guy as well. All right, so we skipped the number two starting pitcher. Well, I guess we could call him a starting pitcher. We could also call him a DH, a hitter. It's Shohei Otani. He's going to pick seven overall. Oh, and Burns, Burns was at 10 overall. Otani, I mean, what do I have to say about him last year? He pitched like Anthony DeSclafani for a full season, but he also did that out. while hitting 46 home runs and stealing 26 bases. So this is yeah, a bit of Yeah, and that's why a, you're taking him second. <laughs> It is, yeah, and you'll buy the the pitching innings here because he's certainly a valuable pitcher, but you're taking him because of his hitting and then using him as a pitcher. Is there anything else yeah, to add here? Nothing at all. You just The one thing I will add just about Otani and the situation in general is I hope that fantasy leagues all begin to accommodate how valuable he is in real life somehow yes. or another. Find a way to do it, and certainly I, I think he has uh, the benefit in uh, daily transactions leagues because you can use him when he's a starter, and then you can put him as your hitter the other four days of the week that he hits. Yeah. In a weekly league, you can't necessarily do that. In NFBC, I know you have uh, twice-weekly lineup changes. Great. That helps a little bit, too. But overall, very dependent on your team. What I'll say is if you don't want to deal with the headache, don't draft Shohei Otani. It's fine. I get yes. it. I completely understand. But if you're a savvy player, you're on top of your lineup constantly. It's a daily league. Take Otani because he's going to help you win your league. It's just I don't like that there is a format where he where he's not valued for doing both of those things because that's wild that he can do them. Yes, exactly. All right. Next up, the fourth starting pitcher off the board at 14 overall is Walker Bueller, not Walker Smith, who managed to go to a tie with Gior in the Mutai on the (laughs) show Babylon 5. Go check out the boob two boys as we cover Babylon 5. No, this is Walker Bueller. That's who we're discussing today. Let's see. Oh, wait, wrong show. Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> Bueller last year, 207 and two-thirds innings, 9.19 K per nine, 2.25 walks per nine, 247 ERA. So he beat 
I mean, he might have beat uh, Burns too, did he? 247 versus 243. Burns barely had him, but he beat Cole as far as ERA. He had a few more innings, but the strikeouts were nowhere near as good as with Cole, uh, Burns and Cole. What do you think about Bueller here at the back half of a 15 town, 15 team league's first round? I like Bueller a lot here. He doesn't quite give you the strikeout upside of Burns or Cole. That's not to say he won't, though. I mean, he's kind of turning over new leaves. 27 years old, he's kind of already turned into a guy who might be a 200-inning-a-year workhorse type, which I don't think a lot of us saw coming a few I didn't. years ago. I certainly didn't. But this is the benefit of the Dodgers managing him really well. They were extremely careful, and he's been healthy now. I don't know what there isn't to like. He limits hard contact really well. He's on the best team that's ever played baseball. <laughs> he's very good. Yeah, you know, I really can't think of a reason to be like, don't take B- Walker Bueller There's here. There's just no real hole. Yeah, there isn't. But on the same side of that coin, I don't know. I just feel like uh, it, maybe it's just my draft style and that I want a heavy strikeout guys. Yeah. If, if I'm taking an ace here or I'm going to wait a couple of rounds and get someone who's not a heavy strikeout guy but can provide you know bulk innings with a good ERA. Either way, I get it. I understand it. I have no qualms if you take him here. Just probably not something I'll do in a lot of leagues. So let's see. Next up is Brandon Woodruff. He's going with pick 16, just two after Walker Bueller. Brandon Woodruff with the Brewers last year managed to put up 179 in third innings, 10.59 K per nine, 2.16 walks per nine, and a 2.56 ERA. So we've got another Milwaukee Brewers starting pitcher here in the top five as far as pitchers go. And he was awesome. 180 innings, good ERA, strikeouts were good. Maybe just uh, overshadowed a little bit by Corbin Burns, but still an excellent season. Do you think he could repeat it, or was this one a little bit surprising to you? This is, uh, I was actually touching on last year's predictions a little bit, and he was one of my guys I was in my front running as a Cy Young pick. So I was definitely a big advocate of Woodruff, and he's backed me up on that. He's kind of the 1B starter to Burns, a little less flashy, but perhaps developing into something of like what we've seen out of Bueller, like a guy who can deliver 180 to 200 innings, strikeout rate around 10 per nine, and limiting the walks. I think he's a really, really good pitcher. I don't think he's as likely to have a year where he's the best pitcher in the league as some of the guys around him, but I do think he's going to be a guy we talk about in the top five to ten starters for the next few years. I think this feels like you set out, you wanted to get Walker Bueller with your last round pick, someone, or last of the first round pick, someone took Bueller ahead of you, and then you went, I guess I'll take Woodruff. I, if I'm not going to take Bueller personally, I'm not going to take Woodruff. I get it. I'm not taking him here. No. And I think that's, that's all it is. I think if he were going six, seven picks later and I was getting him, you know, with my second pick in the second round or late pick in the second round, maybe I'd be more inclined to do it. But even that said, I don't know. We'll we'll get to our overall favorites, and uh, there's a place in the draft that I'm a little bit happier with than this. Again, totally fine if you take him here. It's just not something I'll do. I will say this. I, there's a way I think you could see it, too, where like if I don't take Woodruff here, it's a lot less safe for the next round or so, like in terms of there are some more variables. But we'll talk about those pitchers now. <laughs> yes, and it, I think if the rules were 
you had to take a pitcher, then fine. I, I could see that. But yeah. there are also hitters. No. So no, no thank yeah, you. Yeah, ones that do all sorts of cool stuff. <laughs> so next at pick 18 is Max Scherzer, the old man himself. Different colored eyes. Super cool guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, last year he really got back to form. 179 in third innings. 11.84 K per nine. 1.81 walks per nine. 2.46 ERA. So He's back to being Scherzer, essentially. Maybe the innings total is a little bit less, but the the counting stats, the strikeouts, all that stuff, it's there. But he's also a, what, 37-year-old man. He's with a new team. What do you think? Would you take a shot on Scherzer if you're looking to grab an ace? I wouldn't here, but I'm not blaming anyone because, I mean, he was 37 last year, good as he ever was in 180 innings. So, like, I think he's mostly the same pitcher just on a kind of an abbreviated season. It's kind of like we've seen this late career from aces before. Roger Clemens comes to mind. Just guys who on a few less innings can be still just as good. And I I would never bet against him, but also around pick 18, there is the risk of an older pitcher like that um, getting injured, anything happening, losing a couple miles an hour on the fastball, anything. Same deal. It's just I'll be taking a hitter here. I totally get it. Yeah. I understand it. I like Max Scherzer. I think he's going to do what he did last year, and that's yeah. awesome. I mean, it's just hitters I like a little bit more. Copy Jacob and paste De- what we said last spring about him, probably. <laughs> Pretty much. Jacob DeGrom is coming up next at pick 21 overall, and DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball right now. No bones about yeah. it. Uh, the problem is, is he's dealing with some injury stuff. Obviously, he was shut down last year just through 92 innings. However, in those 92 innings, he had a 108 ERA, a 14.28 K per nine, and a 108 walks per <laughs> nine. So far in the spring, the velocity's there. He looks like Jacob DeGrom, but the question will always be, can he remain healthy over a full season now? So the question at this point is, are you comfortable taking this much of an injury risk as your ace? Because if he does somehow put up 180 to 200 innings, this is going to be the best pick of the drafts, even though he's only got... 20 spots to gain essentially but would you personally take the risk here i don't think that i could take the risk but if i was going to take a risk this is the one i take because like you said he's the best pitcher in baseball but did, did you see i swear i saw a tweet that he has struck out 50 percent of the batters he's faced this spring do you know how many he's the, walked look one was it one zero he has zero. not walked a batter oh, yeah i overestimated him well <laughs> The, the thing about, or underestimated him, I guess, but the thing about DeGrom is, like you said, if you get a two, a full season out of him, you might get the best season ever pitched. <laughs> like there's, and I'm not, that's not even hyperbole. He's kind of shown us that's possible. So I wouldn't have the fortitude to make this selection, but if someone did, I would applaud them. Just play a turn the tide, then you can use all your opponent's fortitude. It's perfect. <laughs> no one will get that joke. Okay, let nope. me ask this. 160 innings, What's what are the odds? What is the percentage you give that he throws 160 innings this year? A 40 per, 35%. Yeah, I think I'm right around there. I think... I, like, I think there's a significant chance. Mm-hmm. I think but it's man. 120. I think you're writing down 120 innings, and you're yeah. going to deal with the lost 80. However, there is a chance there's more, but there's also a chance there's less, so... Not a thing I'll do, but I get it. Yeah, I'm not doing it. But then when you do think about it, like uh, 120 innings <laughs> of of Josh Hader, if Josh Hader was a lot better somehow. <laughs> like, And that does sound really good. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. 
Next up, we have pick 24. It's Zach Wheeler. And Wheeler, of course, the news came out recently that he's dealing with, I believe, was it shoulder stuff? Some we sort have of some good yeah, news. shoulder. What's the good news? I haven't heard this. So, yeah, he had shoulder pain. Uh, it's just day to day. There's no structural damage. And he is throwing simulated innings again. So he's hoping to start in April. But, okay. But, you know, we'll see. But that's but what, you're losing what some the innings. current news is. Yeah. And he's currently picked 24. Uh, I mean, I'll just say this right away. Oh, I'm get no way at here. 24. Last year, 213 in the third innings, 270 ERA, 10.42 K per nine, 1.94 walks per nine. Very good stuff. What he's a, a bit of an accumulator. And certainly no one expected the strikeouts to do that because the year previously, 6.72. year before that, 8.98. He's never had an, a strikeout rate over nine. I guess he did in 2014. But typically, that's what he is. He struck out almost uh, 10 and a half batters in inning last year. Anyway, no thank you. Uh, I think if I'm going to take an injury risk, it's going to be on Jacob DeGrom. I'm not going to take yes. a shot on Zach Wheeler here at pick 24. Now, maybe since, well, I don't know. That injury news has been out for a while. And my ADP is only off to the past last two weeks or so. so I anyway, don't think no. anybody's scared by his right I now. Am. I am. I won't do it. Will you do it at all at 24? No, no way. And I, I like Zach Wheeler as an actual pitcher a lot, but I don't like him here. Even mm-hmm. if he was healthy, I don't like him here. Yeah, no, thank you. So there you go. All right, Shane Bieber's up next, a guy who's coming off of injury last year, of course. Bieber had, with the Guardians, 96 and two-thirds innings, 12.48 K per nine, 3.07 walks per nine, 317 ERA. It's a bit of a far cry from the previous year's he pitched certainly in the strikeout rate last year versus 2020. But overall, he still pitched kind of like an ace, which is what we really thought he'd kind of blossomed into. And you could argue that the injury stuff maybe knocked his numbers down a bit. What do you think about Bieber at this slot? 25 I, overall. I actually like, I like this. Uh, like you said, he pitched like an ace anyway, and that was his returning. And he had a couple of rough starts early in that returning from injury, and he still struck out, what did you, almost 13 per nine? 12 for eight, uh, yep. Yeah, the control was a little out of whack at first, and normally that's a strength. So I, I don't know. I think of these guys in the 20s, I feel safest about him in terms of the risk versus reward. And he's been, I don't know, it's hard to call a guy who has four career years in the majors a workhorse, but he's he a workhorse-style pitcher. So yeah, and he pitched a lot in the minors. So I think even with the injury and the lack of innings last year, I don't know, 180s on the table here, a full season essentially, because that's what we're mm-hmm. dealing with nowadays. I like this at the back half of the second round. This is a pitcher I would take over several of the guys ahead of him just because I, I believe, and I believe he's over the injury and he looks healthy. He's listed as the opening day starter. I mean, he's on a crappy team, but overall I think you can get away with that as a pitcher more so the than strikeouts. So. Ooh, Yeah, the strikeout. So I like Shane, Be- Shane Bieber a lot here. Next up at 26, just one pick later, is Julio Urias. And Uri- uh, Urias, I think. Urias? Urias, that's it. I had to look it up recently. Julio Urias. He had 185 and two-thirds innings last year, 945 K per nine, 184 walks per nine, 296 ERA. And that was with the Dodgers. Now, as a prospect, he had a horrific shoulder injury. And I said for years, I don't want anything to do with him until I see him put up a full workload. Well, guess what he did? He put up a full f-ing workload. I yeah. had to curse there a little bit. So I buy it. I think this is who he is. I totally, completely understand it. And I think he will repeat at essentially the the degree that he just did. Maybe you get 
180 to 200 innings next year. Either way, I'm, I buy it. I think it's perfectly fine. I don't know that I would take him for no reason. It's just for whatever reason, I don't see myself taking him at this slot, but I completely buy it. What do you think? I agree with you just on all of those points. I think he's on his way to being like the lefty Bueller, sort of. Uh, maybe a little lighter on the on the stats, but in spite of that, he's a great pitcher. I don't think that it's unreasonable not to want to take him, though, because taking any pitcher who's only had one full season this early is a risky proposition. It just is. And I believe in Urias quite a bit, though. I, I just don't think I'd I'd take him this early. I guess it's kind of like I said about Otani. If you don't want to deal with it, then don't take him. It's perfectly fine because you could get another player here who will get you value. I don't want to feel trepidatious at all here picking. Yeah, certainly not in your first two, three, four picks. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely agree with that. All right, next up we have Aaron Nola, the 34th player off the board. Nola with the Phillies last year. Struggled a bit, 180 and two-thirds innings, 11.11K per nine, 1.94 walks per nine. 4.63 4.63 ERA, though, although I will say the ERA metrics say he's what he has been in the past, 3.37 XERA, 3.37 FIP, 3.37 XFIP. So essentially, mm-hmm. he's just barely over three I'm glad you noticed that, too, that those were all identical. That's so weird. You don't see that often. Usually, they're no. bigger amongst one another. But overall, what do you think of Nola? Is there a rebound season to be found here, and do you like him uh, early in the third round? I, I mean, he's 28. I think for sure he rebounds. I It just looks like a bad luck year. Everything about it screams that. That said, there's no rebound built in the price. Like, it's already high enough. It's high enough to where everybody seems to be aware of that. So I don't think there's really a value baked in here. But I do think he'll have a much better season. I can get behind that. It doesn't seem like there's no discount is what we'll say. Yeah. However... He's going to be really good. Because if I can go hitter-hitter rounds one and two and get Aaron Nola early in the third round, I'll do that 10 times out of 10. I love it. So I think he's a great pick simply for where he's going. If he creeps into the second round and someone takes him ahead of me, okay, tough. I'll go after someone else. But no, I totally like it at this spot. And I like it a little bit more than the next guy simply because Nola will strike batters out at a high degree. However, the next guy is a bit of a trendy pick this season after his great season last year. Number 37 overall, Sandy Alcantara. And I did not pull up his stats. Let me do it real quick because he did have a good year, but the strikeouts were a little bit less than you kind of want to see out of these elite aces this early. 205.2 innings, 8.8 K per nine, 219 walks per nine, 319 ERA. Do you buy this? Do you think that he's an ace and should go at this slot? I don't, and I I think he's a very good pitcher. I I just don't think he's an ace, and I think this is far too high to be drafting him. I think guys like Nola or some of the guys we're just about to discuss offer a lot more in the way of upside. Uh, Alcantara did what he did on a 270 BABIP. I don't think it's likely he keeps that up over time, even though he's been doing that. I think he is much more of a weak contact, uh, kind of pitch to contact guy. And I think the ERA is going to be closer to mid, mid threes to upper threes most years. I just don't think, despite, I mean, he is a ground ball pitcher. He limits the homers. I don't think, I still don't think he's an ace. I think this is a perfect example of a player where I go, holy cow, I like Sandy Alcantara. I buy the the changes he's made. I think he's as good as he was last year. And then I look at the ADP and I go, what the hell? 
Who is uh-huh. buying him at this price? And I know there are a lot of fantasy analysts out there who are bonkers about it. And I think Paul Sporer is one. I can't remember. But either way, like a lot of smart guys think that this is perfectly acceptable. And I guess acceptable is fine, but I I will not buy him here. I think you're right. There are a couple of guys going a little bit after him that I would rather buy. And actually, I'll probably skip this next group of pitchers to take someone a little bit later. But overall... I don't know. This just uh, just doesn't feel great to me because I do not think he has the strikeout potential of uh, some of the other aces we've covered or will cover. And I think you're right. The ERA is probably closer to three and a half. We're splitting hairs at that point. I mean, if I think yeah. Aaron Nola is a three 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 ERA and Alcantara is three five zero, doesn't matter. You, That's close you definitely enough. want Nola and all those strikeouts. But Nola point. has the strikeouts. Nola has a lot more going for him in that regard, and, and the better walk rate. And a hell of a better team, too, because the Marlins are just going to be bad. Although they do have an interesting staff. I'll give them that. I, You know what? I'm going to break the normal code here. I'm going to introduce Lucas Giolito. Do it. And the the reason is, isn't he Alcantara with strikeouts? I think he really is. And I think once once Alcantara's ERA kind of goes back to the main. Yeah, 353 ERA for Giolito, 10.13 K per nine, 2.62 walks per nine, 178 and two thirds innings. I think the argument there is Alcantara just put up 205 innings. And sure. Giolito sure. never has. Hundred His high was last year, 178. He had 176 in 2019, 173 in 2018. So I think you're arguing innings there, which may give true. Alcantara an edge. But I will take the higher strikeouts because I can f- probably find a, uh, a streamer that'll fill in the 10 to 15 innings that they have different from one another, and I'll be fine with it. So I, I prefer the strikeouts. I would take Giolito over Alcantara. 38 overall is what Giolito's going for. Is that fair? And I think it's, I think so. And I think it's worth noting on Alcantara, too, is that that's his career best strikeout rate, too. That might oh, yeah. He's not never be been near that baseline. He had a 6.89 K per nine in 2019. It was 8.36 in 2020. So he certainly made some changes and, and just got better, and that happens. But I don't know that there's 10 strikeouts per nine upside. I, I mean, I can, I can honestly say there isn't. I just don't think it's there based on his repertoire and what he does. However, it is there with Giolito. And if Giolito pulls a thing where he does a DeGrom or a Bieber and strikes out 14 one of these seasons, I won't be shocked because he has the no, stuff to do that. that's always been possible with him. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Lucas Giolito is that one and Alcantara before him. Next up is pick 40, Robbie Ray. He's the 14th starting pitcher off the board. Ray, of course, with Toronto last year, managed to win a Cy Young Award. He's now with Seattle. 193 in the third innings last year, 11.54K per nine, 2.42 walks per nine, 2.84 ERA. However, the ERA metrics were not as kind him. 3.6 XERA, 3.69 FIP. Overall, what do you think of Ray going to Seattle? And is he a pitcher you would take at this spot? I wouldn't take him here, but I've always liked him, and I'm really happy to like like I know the guy, but I'm really happy for him. <laughs> I, but he made the improvements he needed to make. He, I believe it. I think his control's a lot better now. He still gets a little homer happy. He's one of those guys. I expect the ERA to be mid threes, but I that's still really valuable. I just I don't think I'd take him here. But he's going to strike guys out, and I do think the control's for real. This is another one of those guys where I I cannot give you the reason why I won't own him. It's just simply at this price. And I can internally argue with myself, like, well, okay, well, he he and Giolito have the same strikeout upside. Okay, well, what, yeah. why do I like Giolito more? Maybe because Giolito's had better control in his career. Well, Robbie Ray had great control last year, and I buy it. I believe it. Well, guess what? Giolito also had home run troubles. So mm-hmm. 
Robbie Ray is home on trouble. So why am I preferring in Seattle? It's a better park than it's Chicago. It's a great park. It's just a lot of things all together and the history of work that tells me that I can't buy him here. However, just like you said, I do buy the changes he made. I do buy that he's kind of this pitcher. I just can't pull the trigger and draft him here. I'm fine if you do, but it's just not a thing I'm going to do. And then next up, we have Freddie Peralta at pick 48 overall. Peralta with the Milwaukee Brewers. Yet another Milwaukee Brewer pitcher who was just straight up awesome last year. He was a reliever for a big part of his career, and we all just kind of wished and hoped upon a dream to see that if he could do it as a starter. We did last year. 144 in the third innings, 12.16 ER, uh, sorry, strikeout per nine, 3.49 walks per nine, 2.81 ERA. So we certainly have a lot more walks here than we've had with the last couple of pitchers. Mm-hmm. Strikeouts were good, less innings. Does, I mean, obviously, that's why he's here below these guys. But what do you think about Peralta? Is he going to repeat that? Can he get to 180 innings? Do you think that you know the walks are going to bite him a little more? Just overall, what do you see here? I see what I see is this sort of thing kind of continuing with a higher ERA and a few more innings. I think he'll hopefully be able to stretch out a little bit more. I think he's he's just kind of a guy that's going to, and I hope I'm wrong, walk a few too many and I think he's not going to run in like a 230 BABIP every year. So I, I would assume we're looking at kind of a 3-3 to 3-7 ERA guy annually with a very good strikeout rate and a few too many walks. But he's really good. I, I don't think I take him here because I think he doesn't offer a whole lot in the way of inning certainty, though. I don't know that he's ever going to offer the innings and... I don't know. People can fault me on that. Call me out on it. If two years from now, he's putting up 200 innings every year. But to me, he feels like a guy who's going to put up 140 to 150 innings annually. They're going to baby him. It's going to have little stretches where maybe he goes on the IL. It's just how he pitches something. And then he walks more than the other guys. So maybe he gets into a couple of jams in the starting the fifth inning a couple of times and they pull him out. But overall, he's going to be good. I think the numbers will warrant the, that. However, the inning upside just completely takes me out of this. I want a guy who can get to 180 innings if he's going to be my ace, and I'm certainly not looking to take a second pitcher this early, so I, I, I'm good. I just don't want to do it. Again, yeah. it's fine if you want to, but it's just not my thing. Okay, let's go ahead and take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll continue discussing starting pitchers. Nasty. 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 With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Welcome back to the show. I'm Van Lee, and I'm joined by Brian Vaughn. We're talking starting pitchers. We've moved on to the 56th pick overall, Kevin Gaussman. Gaussman, of course, last year with the Giants was pretty darn good. The overall season line, 192 innings, 10.64K per nine, 2.34 walks per nine, and a 2.81 ERA. He then signed a contract this offseason to go to the Blue Jays, which is not as good of a park as San Francisco, to say the least. But with the improvements we've seen from him over the last couple of years and the fact that he was essentially an ace pitching prospect all those years ago before he struggled so badly with the Orioles, what do you think about taking Gaussman at this slot, 56 overall? I think it's totally fair because I do think he, as he's aged, just a guy that you can depend on for some innings, and I believe everything about his improvements, I think that he is going to get that little worsening that comes with pitching in Toronto and maybe just a little downgrade overall from last year. But I do think it's a, it's safer than it seems when you think of Kevin Gossman, uh, given his past, but I like the odds of him given 180, 190 innings of really good starting pitching. I think he's great. I totally buy that he's made the changes and you're right. There will be a little bit of a bump because he's gone to Toronto but I would take him here over Peralta before him, over Robbie Ray, overall Cantra. Man, uh, I would probably skip Giolito to take Gaussman at this slot just because it's coming a little bit later. So I like him. I still will throw the caveat out there that I probably won't have him on my fantasy teams because this is a point in the draft where I'm focusing on some other things. But if I missed my first couple of choices to get an ace earlier on, I think it's totally fine to take this because I buy the strikeouts, I buy the walks. I think he'll put up a decent innings total. Totally fine with it. I like it here. One pick later at pick 57 overall is Logan Webb. Logan Webb with the Giants. He's 25 years old, 148 in the third innings last year, 959 K per nine, 2.18 walks per nine, 303 ERA. I'll start first on Logan Webb here. I don't really get it. I don't really understand why people are so confident that he'll just repeat what he did, that they'll take him here. To me, this is just an extreme risk. And that's not to say I don't think he's a good pitcher because he's different than the number four to number five starter that we thought he was back when. He yeah. added a cutter, and that's a very good pitch, and it has changed his repertoire. But I am not confident he's 180 innings of you know potential 1.A or 1.B pitching material. So I will not do it. But what do you think? Do you like Logan Webb here? With you 100%, I don't I don't know that I buy him as like an ace. He had a 272 FIP last year. He's great. But it's 148 innings. I I would need to see it for longer given that he's not what you typically think of when you think of as a dominant starter. So yeah, I, there's just no way for me. Nothing nothing really against him specifically, but I think his price has been driven up by how little anyone really uh, knows him. 92.9 average fastball velocity last year, which is fine. I mean, that's that's perfectly acceptable, but it's also not 95 like G. Lito is going to throw or some of the other guys who tend to get their big strikeouts. And to that point, of course, Webb at a 9.59, Caper 9, not a 10, not an 11 one. Yeah. So I think this is really a turning point, in my opinion, for some of these starters as far as what you could potentially get. I like the next guy a lot more, but I also understand there's a cap on what he can do. So I think maybe this is just the last grasp at straws of thinking I have a true ace with a ton of upside, and I don't see it. So I'm perfectly fine skipping on from him. 
So I hinted at him here. It's 59 overall. Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn has turned into nearly an ace. Not quite. But last year, 157 innings, 10.09 K per nine, 2.58 walks per nine, 2.69 ERA. So he definitely upped his ERA game last year. What do you think about Lynn? How many innings would you guess? What's the, the actual ERA? Do you like him as an ace or is he a better number two? What do you think overall? I have Lance Lynn on a team or two or like or, or three. I have him every year. He's just always is a good value. For some reason, no one really properly understands how to value Lynn because some years he maybe walks more people than you want. Uh, he's developed as a strikeout pitcher, but most importantly, last year's slight blip aside, he just is always healthy and always giving you innings, and he's a big old durable son of a bitch. <laughs> he's just a real, a real tough one, that Lance Lynn. I like him. I think he's a good, kind of like Gossman, a good pick here to give you if you're not quite getting ace production, you're making up for that for it maybe being the fifth round or whatever. I think I'm fine taking him here. I think I'd want him over a handful of other guys. But again, it's this is just another indication or, or another example of me being like, I just don't want to pri- pay this price here. I think another round later, I would be all over Lance Lynn, and that doesn't sound like a whole lot. But I don't know here. It just uh, the innings total might frighten me away. I think I'm going to pencil him in for 180, which is actually really good and that coming out of my mouth that sounds stupid that that's going to chase me away but there is risk in my opinion that maybe he's a little bit lower just 156 in 2019 did have 208 in 20 uh no i'm sorry 2019 2018 was 156 and two-thirds innings there's usually just a little something occasionally that tells me he's not an ace and at this point i either want an ace or i'll wait a bit to take someone else Let's see. Jose Burrios is up next. He's the 61st pick overall. And Burrios, of course, was traded to the Toronto Blue Jays from the Twins after doing what he always tends to do. Signed a big-time contract with the uh, Blue Jays. 192 innings, 9.56 K per nine, 3.52 ERA, 2.11 walks per nine. So what do you think about Burrios? He's really good. He's always like this. He's kind of like Alcantara 30 picks later in a way, with a few more strikeouts, kind of a different value accumulation. But I think you'll get plenty of innings out of Burrios. I think his track record sort of speaks for itself. His ERA is never probably as low as some of the guys you might want a little ahead of him. But he is very dependable. And I think that, uh, yes, he's very dependable. Again, this is a scenario of I'm just not going to have a pitcher here. I will either have taken one earlier or I'll be waiting a little bit later. And he typically is a round or two later. And that's when I go, oh, hell yes, I'll take Burrios every single time. But at this spot, it feels like people finally valued him appropriately, which Mm -hmm. is fine. But I almost want some upside here if I'm going to go starter. You know, this kind of points out, like we've said this about every pitcher, just about. And this (laughs) is just, this is pitching now. Like it is, it is in a way the new hitting and that you have to overpay. Yeah, pretty much. All right, Max Freed is up next. He's at pick 69 overall. He's a very nice starting pitcher. See what I did there? I didn't even say it the stupid way. I just said it <laughs> like that. 165 and two-thirds innings, 8.58 K per nine, 2.23 walks per nine, three zero four ERA. I think this is a bit of a step down in a lot of ways from a couple of the guys we just discussed, even though I do like Max Freed. I just don't, I'm not confident enough in him to either stay healthy, to put up a big innings total, doesn't quite have the strikeout rate that I want from a starting pitcher. 
This is, again, another case of me just saying, forget it, I'll go with uh, pitchers elsewhere. What do you think? Yeah, 100% here. I don't see a whole lot of room for Freed being more than this. He's good, but uh, it's just not this. It's not the kind of pitcher I'm taking here. And then Joe Musgrove is up next at pick 70 overall. Musgrove with the Padres, 181 in the third innings, 10.08 K per nine, 2.68 walks per nine, 3.18 ERA. My question to you, Brian, why would you ever take Max Freed at pick 69 if Joe Musgrove is there one pick later, right in this group? Um, You you would take Musgrove 100 times out of 100, right? I certainly would. I've always really liked Musgrove, and I think he's just uh, offers more upside for strikeouts. He's like Freed on a really good team. I think that if his ERA is not going to be around three, it's still going to be around three and a half. I think Musgrove's very good. I think the gains we've seen over the last couple of years are totally for real. Don't know why. Why? Uh, actually, a couple of these guys are going ahead of him. Yep, totally baffles me, and he'll be on my list later that we'll be discussing some of our favorite picks at different times. I just think he's a great pick here. If you're ready now to take a picture at this slot and you're looking for bulk innings that are going to be pretty darn good, I think it's Joe Musgrove, so I like him a lot. Dylan Cease is up next at pick 75 overall. Cease with the White Sox, 26 years old now. 165 and two-thirds innings, 12.28 K per nine, 3.69 walks per nine, 3.91 ERA. Dissect this one for me. What do you see here with Dylan Cease? Okay, this is one of my kinds of pitchers that I love because he's not quite there, but you can see it. Like, he's made the steady improvement since becoming a major leaguer after initially, like, not understanding how to get anyone to swing and miss, <laughs> despite being so yep. good in the minors. And now, I mean, no one knows how to hit him. He's still wild, but it's not to the degree that it was either. And he seems to be developing really well. So he's priced actually really interestingly to me because it is right where he kind of should be in that. If he stalls out here, eh, you know, you're getting a bunch of strikeouts, but the RA is a little higher than you want. The whip probably will be, too. If he takes another step forward, then he does become an ace pretty much. So it's kind of what do you think is going to happen with him? And I think he's a little too pricey for me to do it. But that said, I he's a guy I really do believe in long term. I echo those sentiments. I think honestly... If he had one more season of doing just exactly this, yeah. I would buy in 100%. I'd be like, oh, he, this is the season he becomes an ace. He needs a, just a little more more performance in the major leagues. And then I would buy it. But because of how many innings he's thrown in the majors versus minors and where he's at right now, I'm not quite ready to say, okay, this is the breakout year. I think that'll come next year. That said, 100% buy it with you as well. He's going to strike everyone out. I buy that. I mean, he was struck out 6.79 K per nine in uh, 2020. That's horrible. And then yeah. this year or last year went to 12.28. And it's real because he has the stuff to do it. And he's really good. And he figured some things out. Garrett Richards did that uh, long ago before he uh, basically fell apart because of injury. But suddenly he was a guy who was striking out like seven per nine and then figured it out and started striking out batters. And it just happens with these guys with velocity. Sometimes it just goes. Yeah, and that's what he, as a prospect, this was always kind of a thing that could happen. It's just when will it happen if it happens? And, man, if he was around pick 100, though, I mean, I think I'm doing it. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I was even thinking like 85, like 10 picks later or something like that. I probably would, too. Yeah, just something to where you're, you're getting a little value. 
All right, next up, we have Luis Castillo, the 78th starting pitcher off the board. And Castillo last year, 170, or excuse me, 187 and two-thirds innings, 9-2-1 K per nine, 3-6-0 walks per nine, a 3-9-8 ERA. One little caveat here is he is going to open the season on the IL, has a little bit of shoulder soreness, so he's going to miss some time. So ultimately, I think his draft price will and should come down a little bit. But I don't know. Where would you be comfortable taking him? Would you be comfortable taking him at all this year? To me, a starting pitcher with a shoulder issue is something I'm going to avoid. I said it about DeGrom earlier, even though DeGrom's the best pitcher in history. And I have this history with Luis Castillo and Ron, Nate, and I for the uh, Battle of the Podcast League. They were like, yeah, let's take him as our ace. And the whole time I'm like, I really don't like Luis Castillo. And then he was awful. It was that season he was just atrocious. He's turned into a reliable starting pitcher, but... I think the ceiling's capped quite a bit. I just don't see the strikeouts out of him that I would like to get. The walks are a little too high. I'm just not convinced he's really an ace, and obviously he's not being drafted as such. But with the shoulder injury added to it, I don't want anything to do with him at all this year. What do you think? I wouldn't have I wouldn't have taken him without the shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Ever, uh, with Castillo, to me, I think he has a name value and, and a supposed ceiling that I don't think exists. I think he's always he settled into being a very good starter and when that wasn't always guaranteed and he's kind of the victim of expectations but I think he's a little too uh, a little too weak on his command I don't see that improving that's kind of been the norm and that lends to really volatile stretches last year he had a terrible first couple months he probably had an ERA close to 6 or something and he was gradually able to bring it down but I, yeah, it, to me, that's it's way too high to take a pitcher like him. I don't. He has a lot of the same problems I see in Cease, but a different trajectory. And then next up, we have Frankie Montas going with pick eighty overall. Kind of a similar pitcher to Castillo in that he's a bit of a sinker baller. Hundred and eighty-seven innings last year with Oakland. Nine nine six K per nine. Two point seven four walks per nine and a three three seven ERA. I want to hear what you have to say about Montas first. Do you like him at this slot? I think this is fair. Yeah, I, I think he's turned into a very good pitcher, keeping in mind that he's going to wind up in a worse ballpark for a better team, probably, once Oakland trades him. But uh, we talked about him last summer, and we really liked him. Everything was looking really good. He was outperforming his actual ERA at the time. By the end of the year, he wound up with the numbers that you said, and the projection systems believe that. So it's just, can he repeat it? And I think... There's a very good shot of it. If you get 170, 180 innings out of him, I think he justifies this price. I think, I mean, again, even without the injury news with Luis Castillo, I would take Frankie Montas 100 times out of 100. Yeah, I would too. Just because he's got better command, number one. They're the same type of pitcher, but I just think overall he's got a better median profile than what Luis Castillo's median profile has been because Castillo had... I don't know, a couple flashes of just ultimate brilliance, whereas Montas typically is steady throughout the season. So I think what happens is is people will say, well, you know, from June to August, Luis Castillo is the best pitcher in baseball. It's like, yeah, but you can't discount yeah. April to, to June. Like, that still exists. You can so, pick and choose whatever. Yes, and I think that's a little easier to do with Castillo, which is why people elevate him a bit. But I do like Montas here. Uh, again, it's I don't know if it's a, a case of where I'm going to take a pitcher here. I might. We're getting darn close to where I would go, okay, I'll maybe I'll take my second pitcher here. Or if I'm going crazy heavy on hitting, I would be fine with Montas as an ace. But, of course, I'm going to go pitcher, pitcher, pitcher here for a bit if I'm trying that strategy. 
But overall, I do like Montas coming into the season. Alec Manoa is up next. Six picks later, 86 overall. Manoa with the Blue Jays last year, 111 and two-thirds innings, 10.24K per nine, 3.22 walks per nine, and 3.22 ERA. So Manoa kind of leapfrogged Nate Pearson as far as pitching prospect on the Blue Jays, who is going to be right in the rotation. He's going to be their next ace, and he had a pretty darn good season last year. And people are drafting him, to me, crazy high. I buy what he does, but I'm interesting to I'm interested to see if you would get into that here and take him at pick 86 because I won't. I just need more track record, even though I do buy the pitcher is what he is. Uh, that that echoes pretty close to what I was going to say, which is I really really like him. I just don't think he he had 111 innings last year and was so good, but and he's I think he'll improve right away. But I think he'll do it in like 140 150 innings and step up gradually and i think he might win a cy young one day but i don't think it'll quite be this year and certainly I, I yeah, that's kind of the dylan cease thing yeah. yeah and it's just a little too early and cease i've i don't know i saw more innings out of him he's pitched more innings overall in his career so i would buy that a little more than i would manoa at this point but i like manoa i just won't draft him <laughs> yeah all right let's do uh, something a little different here we're going to lump in pitchers into groups of fives and what I want you to do is I want you to tell me which of the five pitchers that we lump you want. Which of these five guys would you be okay drafting in this little bit of draft slot? So next we have Trevor Rogers at pick 87, Charlie Morton at 89, Hugh Darvish at 93, Justin Verlander at 99, and Shane McClanahan at pick 100. So of these five guys, who stands out to you as someone you like the most? Or you can also, I don't know, talk about whoever you want or someone you absolutely wouldn't draft. Let's just uh, skirt through some of these. Yeah, well, I'm going to do a weird thing. I'm taking 38-year-old Charlie Morton out of this group, who's basically as good as he ever was and pitched 185 innings last year and also is not the kind of guy that you have to worry about going up in drafts because he's so boring. I like him a lot here. There's always a chance he falls off a cliff because he's old, but as like an upper-end starting pitcher, too, I, I really like him. I agree with that. I do like Charlie Morton here. Verlander's interesting to me because he represents the crazy high upside of an ace at around pick 100. Obviously, coming off Tommy John surgery, how many innings will he throw? There was the question of when the Astros signed him to a contract. They didn't really sign him to a contract, but then they kind of did. There's just a bunch of wonkiness, and I know he's scheduled to make his first start of the season April 9th, so fairly early in the year, but not, you know, first game or whatever. Hmm. It's really tricky. If I could wait as long as possible before my draft happens, then I think I might become more and more inclined to draft Verlander if he's, you know, he puts up four innings in a spring training game. The velocity's there because it has been there so far. So I like Verlander, but I'm kind of with you. There's an inherent safetyness that comes with Charlie Morton even though he is a 38-year-old pitcher. Not as many innings on that arm. That's the cool thing about that. So I do like True. Morton here. It's probably one of those two guys. Darvish, I'm a little worried about because of the velocity. Trevor Rogers dealt with injuries, but I do like him as a pitcher. But yeah, I buy that, what you said. So next up after that, we have Blake Snell at 105, Chris Sale at 106, Carlos Rodon at 107, Tyler Molly at 109, and Nate Iovaldi at pick 117. What I'll say of these guys is that Chris Sale obviously is hurt for a bit, and therefore it's another thing. I don't want to draft a hurt pitcher as we kind of know it. I think. Yeah, ribs. Maybe if he's going 50 picks later, I'd be invested in him, Mm. but I just don't like him here quite yet. 
Rodon, of course, didn't have the full innings total last year, but was really good. I think he's in a great spot, but I also think you're going to get lower innings. I like him. I don't know if I'd pull the trigger. I think Tyler Molly is the guy I like best out of this group. I think he kind of went from, I don't know, a nothing reliever to being a pretty darn good starting pitcher. What did he do last year? 180 innings, 10.5K per nine, 3.2 walks per nine, 375 ERA. Fine. I completely agree with that. I think maybe the innings total goes up, but he strikes out batters. Maybe the ERA is not elite, but I'm also at pick 110. So I like Tyler Molly of this group. I'll go with Rodon because I really do like him in San Francisco. I You're hoping for 150, 160 innings out of him because he is very dominant when he pitches. I think out of this group, he'd be the guy I'd target. I, I'm like you. I'm wary of Sale being hurt. He's been hurt a lot lately. And Blake Snell, I will not have on a team. <laughs> he's just a reliever. I mean, he's a great spot very start talented. reliever. Yeah. But he's not going to get past four or five innings. He just simply can't do it anymore. And... Uh, I understand the game has changed, but that's still too few innings for me. And the ability to get wins if you're still in a wins league or whatever it may be, just no thanks. Completely just all sorts of risk. Oh boy, this next group of five pitchers. Nate Eovaldi, Pablo Lopez, Jack Flaherty, Chris Bassett, and Shane Baz. Uh, 117 to 123, right in that range. Any of these five guys stand out, and you can't just say no. And I don't know if you really like one of these guys or uh-huh. not, but you have to pick one. If you're gonna, you have to take one of these five yes, guys. I'm obligated it? contractually. Well, if I'm <laughs> obligated, it's going to be Shane Baz, who I like the upside of a ton. I I don't think he gets there this year because the Rays are very conservative, but I think he's going to be awesome. Let me, I, let me is, stop you. He's hurt. Oh, is he? Yeah, I don't think you want to. Oh, well, that, that is a bummer. Arthur, yeah. I should have said, but arthroscopic surgery to remove loose bodies. I think he's out for a couple yeah, months. Yeah, Flaherty's hurt too. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chris Bassett's super boring, and uh, I can never get trade value out of him, and I have him on a team, so I know no one likes him. So give me Pablo Lopez. <laughs> That's right, 118, Pablo Lopez there. And I do kind of buy Lopez being what he is. I mean, last year, let's see... We had 102 innings, two-thirds innings, 10.8K per nine, 2.28 walks per nine, 307 ERA. I kind of buy all those numbers, and that looks good, but I don't know that he'll ever throw innings. He's always hurt. He's never had a high innings total, and that's yeah. what kind of scares me away and from him. And will he but, do that over a full innings load? Yeah, how bad does it regress when he you know, is taxing himself a little bit more? I think that's probably the right answer. The only other one that I would go, okay, maybe is Nate Eovaldi. 182 and a third innings, 963 ERA, 173 walks per nine, 375 ERA, 963 K per nine, 173 walks per nine, 375 ERA. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. I, again, I'm not a guy that maybe I'm not sold on the innings of, but I think it's going to be more than Lopez, although maybe his ERA will be worse. I don't know. It's one of he those strict two guys. us before. <laughs> okay, let's do a couple more groups here. Pick 128 is Zach Gallen, 133 Framber Valdez, 134 Sean Manaya, 138 Ian Anderson, and 140 Eduardo Rodriguez. Now with the Detroit Tigers, any of these five guys stand out to you? And Gallen has shoulder bursitis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, Framber's coming off injury. I'm gonna just talk about Eduardo Rodriguez. I really like him moving to Detroit. I think. He had the worst luck you could have pitching the best he ever has last year for Boston. So I'm going to gamble and say that he has a nice year this season. And I I think that he very well could. And at pick 140, you know, that kind of does price in some risk. 
I 1 million percent agree. He's going to be one of my picks at this slot. I re- I think he's better than this slot. And I think that's yeah, baked in too. because of the unluck, unluck, the bad luck he had, 474 uh-huh. ERA. FIP is 322, 332, 343 X FIP, 157 and two thirds innings. Good strikeouts, good walk rate. I buy it. I completely buy it. I think he's on a solid enough team as far as pitching in that park. Obviously, they're a bad team overall, but it could surprise you. But yes, he's the pitcher here for me. I do like Ian Anderson, but uh, I don't know. I just think Eduardo Rodriguez is such a buy at this slot. All right, one more grouping, and then we'll get to our picks here. Logan Gilbert, pick 145. Clayton Kershaw, 147. Sonny Gray, 157. Michael Kopech, 159. And Marcus Stroman, 166. Any of these five fellas tickle your fancy, Brian? Like, kind of all of them, actually. This is an interesting group in one way or another. But I'm going to highlight one guy while quickly saying that I like Sonny Gray in Minnesota. I like everything about that. I think they're they're trying. They're renewed. I like him moving somewhere and getting another shot. He's been good when he's pitched. But I mainly uh, want to talk about Logan Gilbert, who among all the rookies, I feel like he kind of maybe went a little overlooked. He all of his peripherals suggested a guy with about a 3.7 ERA across 119 innings last year. And his peripherals were really good. I think that at 24 with already, you know, being a little more experienced for a rookie, I think he could be ready to kind of step into a mid rotation, uh, role with a few more strikeouts than you might expect. I agree with you that all five of these guys are interesting in some capacity or not. So what I'm going to say is I don't want Michael Kopech. I think that's the only yeah, one that I really... Group, he's scariest. He's very scary. Just 69 and a third innings last year, but had crazy strikeouts, 13.37K per nine, three five zero ERA. The walks were somewhat high, 3.12. But he is coming off injury in, what, 2019? He had Tommy John surgery. I don't know that there's a lot of innings here. He also pitched out of the bullpen a couple of times last year. And if you look at the uh, the steamer projections, the other projections, they have him splitting between bullpen and uh, rotation. I don't know if the team has announced anything about that or not. No, thanks. He's a clear bottom out of this group for me. The other four, I could take over him. So I will pr- go ahead. You don't think Tony LaRusse is going to manage him correctly? <laughs> I know it's a hot take here on huh. the nasty cast. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. Kershaw and Sonny Gray are probably my two favorite ones of this group. I like both of them. Like you said, Gray in Minnesota is awesome. Kershaw, I think, is just criminally underrated at this point. He's not going to do 220 innings again, but the innings he pitches are going to be great, and he's just going to keep doing what he does, especially back with uh, the Dodgers. Selling Subway sandwiches. Let's go ahead and stop talking about the list here and instead (laughs) discuss our favorite picks here. Actually, let's discuss our overall pitching strategy. So we went through some of the names how are you treating the position this year in a redraft league? Would you go that ace really quickly? Would you say, screw it, I'm not going to take a starting pitcher until fifth round? What is your overall strategy for pitching this year? It's going to depend like where I'm at you know, in the round and, and what falls to me. But my general idea at this point is I do want like a top 10 ace level guy. I want one of those, and then I want a second tier guy. And beyond that, I trust kind of my nature of finding value in pitching later. But I'm no longer the guy I was even a couple of years ago where I can wait six rounds <laughs> on a pitcher and then kind of cobble together a staff that's good enough to accommodate my good offense. 
Uh, now I, I really do like to have kind of a tiered system with pitching that gives me a safety net because you kind of need it when innings are harder to come by and when there is an Endersty swarm on it at the top of drafts. Yeah, particularly if you're doing an NBC league where pitching always gets bumped up, particularly early. I do think the one big pitcher fairly early is almost a must in this day and age. I know that there are some pitching guru fantasy guys who are like, no, 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 no. You can still do the wait till the sixth, seventh round to take your ace. I don't think you can. I just really don't think Most everybody's advice is take nine straight pitches. (laughs) Which, yeah, I'm not for that either. But I want my big ace. And then I really want to live in that, I don't know, probably pick 120 on and just do a bunch of starting pitchers there for a bit. I think I just like a lot of the starters at that point. I'm with you on that. That's the sweet spot. All right, so who's your favorite buy in the first 100 picks? Now, we heard people we liked, but who's the one that you want to get more often than not? I think we're going to be pretty similar here. I mentioned Charlie Morton, uh, kind of around pick 90 earlier. I think there's a lot of value there that's not as apparent because he's so old and boring. <laughs> I think uh, some safer options that are kind of weird to me are like Musgrove we talked about, who, I mean, there's just a lot of guys going before him. I I just don't see why and then if i'm my favorite i wanted to highlight my favorite value among the aces if you will that i'm considering aces and that's bieber at at 26 pick 27 i think that he has if he were to be a top two or three pitcher that wouldn't be that shocking i do echo those sentiments 100 i had joe musgrove at 70 i had charlie morton at 89 i agree with shane bieber I put my favorite pick out of the top 100, though, is Aaron Nola at 34, simply because that allows me to go hitter, hitter, Nola, because I think that is an excellent, excellent start to a draft. And that's, um, you know, if I if Bieber falls into 32, 34, and I have that pick, I'll take Bieber 100%. However, I really like Nola at that slot because of the start that yeah. affords me to take. And, and his last name is the abbreviation for New Orleans. <laughs> Like Which people call it Nola, plus? so he could. What if he was a detective named Aaron New Orleans? Okay, now that sounds really cool. I could get behind that one hundred percent. Now I'm drafting him in the first round. <laughs> okay, so let's shift to the next one hundred picks. Who's your favorite buy in picks one hundred to two hundred? Is there anyone that stands out to you more? We talked about Eduardo Rodriguez. I think he is obviously like one of the most interesting ones with the change of scenery, Sonny Gray, they're like all in that middle round. We talked about uh, Sonny Gray and Eduardo Rodriguez were my two big ones. I uh, also, if you go down just a little bit further, this is more just kind of keeping an eye out kind of a thing. But if Noah Sindergaard's velocity is up and his sliders working and stuff right around pick 200, he is an interesting follow, even if I'm not necessarily sold on that yet. I also had Eduardo Rodriguez as one of my top options there, 140 overall, Sonny Gray, already mentioned him. The one I'll point out, though, is Patrick Sandoval at pick 196 with the Angels. He has really struggled to stay healthy and put up a large innings total, but when he's pitched, he's been pretty good, and last year we saw nearly 10K per nine. The walks were eh, 3.72, but a 3.62 ERA. If he's healthy and if he does actually put up a solid innings total, I think he's going to be a great buy. So I do kind of like him there. Of course, you do run the risk of, you know, he throws 80 innings because he's hurt all the time, which would suck. But, you know, around pick 200, that's not as detrimental to your team. 
And let's shift to the next so many picks. We're going to say 201 plus. Anyone stand out to you there from basically here to eternity? So this is a group where there's just a lot of, obviously, options. Many younger guys that are interesting, like Jesus Lazardo, obviously, who we love. The stuff's great. It's just, is he healthy? Is he going to start? Uh, he's one of those guys, though. Keep an eye on him in the spring. Tony Gonsolin's always interesting. Yusai Kikuchi, who I was kind of right about last year, and I'll double down <laughs> and say he could be a useful mid-rotation guy, which isn't like the sexiest thing ever, but around pick 300, hey, that's not so bad. Same with Corey Kluber. It's worth keeping an eye and then the younger guys, we talked about him earlier, Hunter Green, if he's going that late. Reed Detmers also, keep an eye on him. Who did you just say two players ago? Oh, Corey Kluber. No, thanks. I'm done. I just don't think it's ever going to happen again. I don't even care. I'm not even going to pay attention to him. If he comes out and throws 180 awesome, if he comes out and throws 110 awesome innings, fine. That's okay. I'm happy being wrong about that one. It's I don't understand why he keeps getting $8 million to pitch every year when he's toast. He is just straight-up toast. Anyway, that's an A-side. The picks I have for you here, I like Casey Mize, and I'm not afraid to say it. I know everyone hates him because the strikeouts are so far down. He was the worst pieces a year ago. He's like a top three fantasy, or draft pick in the draft. He he came up at, like, age 20. Like, he he's doing so much already at such a young age, and I think because he didn't come out and pitch like an ace, People just wrote him off. There's growth that could happen here, and he could strike batters out. So I like Casey Mize, pick 240. Bailey Ober at pick 254 is a bit of a trendy pick. Jeff Zimmerman of the Launch Angle Podcast really, really likes Bailey Ober, so I think that's someone to keep an eye on. Tyler McGill at pick 311 with the Mets. Kind of doesn't have a job because of what they've done in the rotation, but the Mets are horrible at keeping people healthy. And I think he's really good, so I really like that slot. And then you said Reed Detmers. He's going with pick 355. Another young pitching prospect that kind of struggled a little bit last year in his taste of the majors, but is awesome, and I do fully believe will be plenty awesome. So I think that's a great pickup a little bit later in your draft. So on the other side of the coin, who is the pitcher to avoid at their cost? You can give me maybe one, two guys that you just simply won't own on any fantasy leagues. Yeah, the one 100% there's no way is Alcantara. We talked about that. Logan Webb is another one. Luis Castillo, as as we talked about, there's, it's just not going to happen for me. Blake Snell. Uh, a lot of the guys that are either like super high risk and the upside's not even worth it, or for God's sakes, they're like young and they're not even that exciting with the strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, it's it would be the equivalent of Casey Mize was being taken in the top 100 picks or something. Then yeah. I would be like, what do you people see? But so late, yeah, I like him. Alcantara, I had him on my list. Pick 31, that's crazy to me. Freddie Peralta at 48 is another one I'll, come, I'll echo again. I'm just concerned about the innings. It's mostly a gut thing. Overall, I just think you could do better. Take a hitter at that spot and worry about pitching a little bit later. So there we go. That's going to cover the starting pitchers for the Nasty Cast. Brian, is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here and get into our uh, season preview next week? Not really, other than I really hope, as uh, and this is kind of starting pitcher related, kind of not, but I hope as a Cardinal fan that I get to see some uh, Matthew Liberator this year. That would be nice. I'd like to see that. I, I don't think it'll happen for a bit, but I think I it'll do probably think, be the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, maybe midway. Maybe we see him in June because we're past the dates, and if somebody gets hurt, and you know, maybe he's had a couple of good uh, innings there in the minor leagues, but overall, 
somebody to pay attention to for sure. If they so, don't try to re-sign Joel Pinheiro uh, somehow, <laughs> go find him. Braden Looper, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. To start. <laughs> eh, anyway. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Sorry Ron wasn't here, but he'll be back next week, hopefully, as we do our season preview. So for Brian Vaughn and Ron Rigney, I'm Van Lee, and may the fantasy gods shine upon you. <laughs>